I, I truly believe that when you are loving something and you put your heart in, it's, it's actually transmitted to other other people. You really can feel the love that you put on something. But I think with food, it really connects with me. So I, I really hope that people can feel that. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Capturing a sense of place in cookery is as challenging as translating the food of your cultural heritage in a modern context. But Australia has a rich tapestry of people either from or with family lineage from all over the world. It's what has made our culinary landscape so fascinating, an opportunity to share different styles, techniques and combinations, but immerse and express that through the context of place and local ingredients. Olivia Serrano is the co-owner and co-chef of Lola's in Ballina in northern New South Wales. Olivia, how are you? And Chris, thank you. How are you? Good. It's good to have you on the show. You've um, taken the plunge and opened your first venue after a pretty tumultuous period of time. What did it feel like to open the doors of Lola's? Uh, well, we opened on uh, April this year uh, and at the beginning we thought yes we can do this and then when COVID started to get a bit uh, <laughs> you know <laughs> uh, difficult for uh, the hospitality sector we thought oh, oh well what have we done <laughs> but uh, we've been actually extremely lucky because the community in Balina has been supporting us through all these months and yeah it's been incredible incredible journey What's it, what was it like setting up the restaurant? Can you take us through the the moments of finding the site and building building the dream? Well, uh, it's it was a little bit challenging because um, Balina is a very small town in the regional north regional New South Wales, and it it has a lot of um, commercial spaces for offices, but not so much for hospitality venues. So it was a bit tricky finding the spot that had, you know, all the things that you need to have for complying um, for a hospitality business. Um, so, yeah, it was uh, – we ended up taking over uh, all pastry, retail pastry pasta shop. And we just mm, – you know, went through the regular stuff that you need to do with the council and approvals and all that. And, uh, yeah, finally, after four months, we create Lola. And tell us about Lola. What, what, was it, what is it like to eat there and what's the food like? Well, I am a Spanish and Rosa, the other co-chef and co-owner, she, and my girlfriend, uh, she is Italian. So we're trying to bring a little bit of our um, European heritage and the way that we like to eat in a, um, you know, a communal. We shared everything. It's not like I have my interest and my main and my dessert for us to... <laughs> To, uh, to to eat is is to share with the people that you come to eat with and um, so we have a little bit of everything from uh, dishes that are very close to us because either our family grandmothers or someone in our family did that for us in the past and then through our you know 
exploring other cuisines like Asian cuisine and um, yeah, we, we're just trying to be creative and mix everything up. You mentioned you're from Spain. Can you take us back to Spain? What was what sort of role did food play for you when you were young? Um, well, I grew up in a family where food was kind of like the main thing. It's, it was it does it didn't matter if you were sad or if you're happy. Everything was about food, family, and coming together. It was I think that was the purpose of life. Um, my grandparents were survivors of the Spanish Civil War, and I think for them um, came to a point where they realized the family was very important and to host occasions with the family and with food was kind of like the purpose in life of how they wanted to transmit the heritage to the kids and the kids, you know, the, the whole family. Um, so, yeah, I was um, very little and I, I don't remember this, but my parents said that, you know, when I was little, I used to just sleep in a little cot in the kitchen while my grandmother was, you know, cooking dinner, cooking lunch, just, um, you know, hanging in there, looking at her. Tell us a bit about um, Spanish food and, and the sort of feasts that you, you had growing up. Um, well, I think Spanish food is very is very diverse, and um, I grew up in a little town in the south of Spain, so my family felt comfortable comfortable uh, with a little bit like uh, Middle Eastern um, flavors. You know, a lot of cumin, a lot of small paprika, some those flavors. Um, yeah, I just I remember, you know, my grandmother cooking from big pots with the legumes and chorizo and and pork and to salads and desserts and it was a very elaborated um, menu. I could not believe that these women, you know, they spend hours and hours just cooking all day for the family and once you finished you, you just started to think about what were you going to do for dinner so it was kind of like a, like an eating marathon what was it that uh, lured you to a career as a chef well i to be honest i didn't know that you could like i when i finished high school i was going to go to university to study engineering and i was not really sure but a friend of mine said, oh, if I don't get into this degree, I'm going to go to cookery school. And I was like, really? Like, do people go into cookery school to, to, to cook for people? And she was like, yeah, yeah, like you can do it professionally. It was like, hmm, that sounds like, that sounds like fun, good and fun. Um, so, yeah, I, I did the application and they say yes. So I started a journey for three years. Because in Spain, works a little bit different. You... At least, you know, when I was studying a long time ago, um, it was like uh, two years you do um, theoretical classes and then you spend six months on like a work placement. And I did that and I went to do my work placement to a very good restaurant. 
and I really loved it. I really loved the, the, the cooking part, but also the, the, the energy, the adrenaline that you get during service and how, I don't know, I just fell in love with the energy. And I, yeah, I thought, okay, yeah, this, this is my thing. Do you have any stories from that time in those early years when you were learning, learning your craft? Uh, you know, this is... No, I think just normal stars. You know, you you lo- you work long hours, and but you you feel enthusiastic and you feel like part of a team, and then you just go through service and, and, and tiring. You work like fifteen hours a day, and then the next day you do it again and again and again, and it's, you just become really close friends with the people from work, and you yarn. It's fun. I think everything was like really fun. And you felt to be, yeah, really young and really fun. In your time uh, working in Spain, was there any sort of key moments or really important people that you worked with that sort of um, set you on the path that you've been on? Uh, I think I have to say that when I worked in Spain, it was good places, but it was more like not nothing fine dining, nothing refined until I came to Australia and suddenly I ended up working in three hat restaurants and I thought, oh, <laughs> this, this is a different game. <laughs> this, is, this is challenging in, in a very in many different ways. And it was, yeah, it was really good. I ended up working in a clothes, which was an old French restaurant in Vulara. Um, and at that time, Tuili Luc was the head chef. And Joe Ward was her sous chef. And I became really good friends with Joe Ward. And kind of she was, she, she, I call her, she was my mentor. She's my mentor and good friend. And we, I actually, we kind of started a journey together. Like I worked with her in, I would say, four different places that she opened. And yeah, I, I would say the Joe is one of the places that she has changed my life as a chef in in many, yeah. In what ways did she impact you? I think she impacted me in very being committed to what I was doing and focused. And I learned a lot of things from her, from the cooking and also as a, as a business. Like she, she I, I guess without noticing, she mentored me um, in a very wide landscape, in, in chefing, in cooking, in, in, you know, really care for what you do, what you're doing it, for your products, for respect, what are you doing? And also from the business point of view, she taught me a lot too. And I think thanks to her, I'm able to know more about how to create my own restaurant. What led to your decision to, to move to Australia? Uh, it actually was for love. Like I just met my girlfriend <laughs> in Spain and I was really young. I didn't know how to speak English and I was ready to go to London and I met her and she was like, well, you know, we, we speak English in Australia as well. And if you want to come over for our holidays and I thought, Hmm, that sounds very interesting. And also I knew that Australia had a lot of my Asian migration and I was very interested in Asian cuisine because I think 
in Spain at that time, it, you know, we have a lot of influence from French, Italian, Spanish, a little bit of Middle East, but not much Asian cuisine. And I thought, you know, when you live in Spain, you think, oh, you know, you take for granted that Asia is, is, they have a lot of similarities. But then when you get deeper in the ingredients and the techniques and the things that, the way they do things, you, you realize that it is amazing universe. And for me, I was fascinated by that. It's like, wow, this is ingredients that I never heard of or the things that, the, the way they do things, it was mind blowing for me. So I was like, okay, I think Australia has, has a lot of ticks. What was it like when you first got here? Were you surprised by the culinary landscape and the restaurants that were operating? Um, I, I have to say that when I came, I couldn't speak in English. <laughs> so I didn't <laughs> want to move uh, into looking for the work in high-end restaurants because it's like, you know, it's going to be very challenging for me and for them. <laughs> um, so I kind of tried to get uh, some, you know, jobs in a very low-end you know, cafes and things like that. And then as my English got better, I started to look for more, like, higher-profile restaurants, and that is how I ended up in uh, at Claude's. You mentioned that the, the, it was a three-hat restaurant at the time, and it was really quite challenging at a new level. What did you take out of that in regards to chefing? Um, well, it was... It, it, I think the high performance at every single minute that you have to have for the, the you know for the 12 hours that you work there it is uh is no a room for mistake is no room for okay i do this tomorrow and i mean it's, it was a very small restaurant and so we were a really small brigade so every we were four chefs and every chef had a section so you were in charge in charge of your own section from everything, every single dish. So you didn't have another three or four people to do the garments for you or to do all the things for you like you were 100% in there. And I think to have the responsibility for me, it was a little bit overwhelming at the beginning because of my English as well. Um, but, yeah, I think... Uh, yeah, I think looking back, it was it was a great experience, and I sometimes I think about like, wow, these people were crazy. Like I, I could not understand English very well, my communication skills were not that good, um, but they gave me you know they gave me the chance, and I think it's like okay, well, it, it makes me think okay, maybe I'm okay with chef <laughs> if I you know I can pull up a, a job on my three head restaurant without not much English, maybe. I'm okay with my skills. You were uh, lured by the chance to explore the influence of Asia on the culinary landscape in, in Australia. What was what was that like for you? That exploration that you then went on with the restaurants you were. Um, it, it was amazing. Like I work, um, I remember working in China Line, and which was uh, more in Cantonese, and seeing things that I'd never seen, ingredients I'd never seen, but also it was fantastic, the relationship with of, of the co-workers. You know, we have people from Thailand, from Korea, from Indonesia. Um, yeah, the, the, the multicultural heritage of, of those chefs, 
that I work with, it was it was, uh, it was amazing because I work, I mean, sorry, I learn from dishes that I have to do, but also from the experience and knowledge for other chefs. And for me, that was, yeah, I think in, for me, learning um, from other people is, yeah, it's, it's one of the, the biggest points of, of being a chef. I, I feel extremely excited when, when people can teach me things because I love learning. So You spent time at Chocho San as well, which is almost like a modern Isakaya. Well, what did you take from your time there? Uh, I think definitely to know more about Japanese uh, cuisine and the way um, they cook a lot of, of a fermentation. I didn't know much about um, how soy sauce was made, um, how a lot of miso is made, um, and and the way that they cook things as well. I think I think to to um, dig deeper into the um, ingredients and procedures that cultures um, do in it. I think that was a one of the most interesting things that I took from, from Chocho. Did that have an impact on the way that you cook now at Lola's? And does it, is there some examples of dishes where the sort of that Asian influence is, is weaving through the menu? Yeah, definitely, definitely. We all, always have a raw dish, fish, raw dish, dish in the menu. And, yeah, actually, to learn how to cut sashimi, which was, it is pretty interesting because the sushi chef um, who actually taught me how to cook, how to cut the fish, he said that they do, uh, sushi chefs in Japan, they do that for 10 years. They have to learn how to master cut the fish for 10 years. And for me, it was like, what? You spend 10 years cutting fish, just cutting fish? So it was amazing to see him filleting the fish and cutting the fish it was it, it was amazing and I think um, taking that and being able to put into the menu having those skills and also um, playing with with the Japanese flavors um, yeah definitely you can see those reflections in our menu because we always have one dish to to resemble those those memories from Chochosan yeah is there a dish or two on the menu, menu that you can tell us about that kind of uh, exemplifies the way that you both work together in the kitchen? Um, yeah. Um, um, what else, uh, yeah, I think, the, um, for example, we have the balina prom bun, which uh, it, we, we, have, uh, we make our own milk buns, and that is... Very Rosa, she loves uh, baking, and she's very massive of pastry, so she can make anything. And for me, it's a skill that I definitely don't have. I don't, I don't have the patience, and 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 she does. So I really admire that she's able to do these things. And and then um, we we thought, oh, Balina is famous for the prawns, so. We, we wanted to do something with prawns. And, you know, I have an age where the cocktail uh, prawn, it, it was family in the 80s. So we thought, oh, you know, this reminds me of my, my childhood with, in my family when you just get, you know, the really 
tacky cocktail prawn in a, in a, in a glass. It was famous because it was very simple. <laughs> I think my mom was tired of uh, cooking. So it's like, okay, I just like some lettuce and give some prawns and here we go. <laughs> so we, trend, we, we combine that, that in that dish and it's actually one of our most popular dishes. Like it, it is delicious. It's a little bit like similar to a, the, the um, American lobster roll. Um, so yes, and I don't. I think it's because she is Italian, and we have some pasta dishes in in the menu. And I think she brings the tradition, and I try to twist. You know, the Italian heritage. They, they, they get a little bit upset when you change <laughs> tradition. <laughs> so at at. at I always challenge her in, in a way and we trying to come up with uh, yummy dishes in a, they, they have the tradition that it appeals to you, but also have the twist and put a little bit of creativity in, on them. Are, are there challenges and benefits to um, working um, and living um, with your business partner and, and personal partner? Oh, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> definitely. I, I think it's, uh, I mean, I feel like I could not have a better partner to, in many sense, in, in life and in the business because we both come from that heritage where food is our passion because we um, we had that since we were kids. Like, we both very passionate. It is no a moment that we don't think about food and, and sharing with family or with friends is very connected to us. And I think that transferred to the business where we both in the same page that what is important, what is important for us and what is important for the business and how do we come, come those two things come across to people. So it, obviously, you know, we two, at the same time that we sometimes in the same page, sometimes we are individuals as well and we have our own perspective on things and sometimes that becomes really challenging. <laughs> um, but uh, I think it, it, in the end, it, we both have the same core when it comes to food and hospitality and we bring that together I want to believe in, in the same in the same way. You're heroing the local Ballina prawns with a um, prawn cocktail bun. How, how important are local ingredients and producers in what you do? I think it's it is one of the most important things that as a chef you want to be looking in when you have in your own restaurants. I think and supporting the local farmers go and see where your product comes from and knowing how people, how the farmers, why they have the product, how they're treated. It, 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 is, it, it is part of, of, of the circle of feeling connected to what you do and what you have put in on the plate. Um, yeah, I think it's for us is one of the, our first principles that to to be connected to what is around here and what can we do to make that product 
available for a lot of people that they haven't tasted and also creative, fun and tasty. Is there a local producer that you um, use or a local uh, ingredient that you can you can tell us about? I think we're trying to uh, – because, you know, it, we're trying to be seasonal. So sometimes the farmers, they plant something <laughs> in a particular season and then after three or four months, they're moving to something else. So sometimes it's really hard to say, oh, yeah, just go and pick up this from this farmer and then people go and say, oh, no, we don't have it anymore. And, and people was like, ah. Oh. Okay, uh, and now I don't know what to do. <laughs> um, so, uh, um, we, you know, we we use um, Baron Bay mozzarella for our cheese. We um, buy uh, buy our um, venison from uh, Fair Game uh, from Jonas. You actually have him in the, in your podcast as well. Um, we have some of our veggies from Red Heart Farm. So we're just trying to support the community in any way we can with the products. What surprised you about running your own business compared to working as a chef for someone else? Uh, I think it's just 24 hours. You think It's like having a baby. <laughs> Absolutely, like having a baby is is like he never sleeps. It's like uh, it's, you know. I, I guess it's like you know being a parent at the beginning when you have a, a newborn baby and you just have to look after them and they are just constant attention. You have to dedicate your life to to them, and it's the same for the business. Um, it's very demanding, but at the same time very rewarding because when you see the smile on people's faces when they come for dinner and they spend the, 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 the occasions, you know, like the anniversary or the birthdays in, in here and they, they, they go home with a smile and they have a great time. It's, it's, it's a prize. Yeah, we can't, you can't put a price on that and, and that are the rewards that you get when you think, yes, this is how work, but it's really worth it to get people to smile. Ballina is a very small town in a, in a beautiful part of Australia. What, what led to the move there? Uh, well, Rosa moved here. Um, she moved to Byron five years ago and she loved it. She loved the area, and, but obviously she could not um, afford to live in Byron, so she moved to Ballina. And it's a lovely town. It's low-key and we actually um, we commute for three years. I didn't want to come to Bali and I live in Sydney. I was very happy. And at some point, it's like, look, we're spending too much money on FS, and <laughs> I don't really want to be traveling every weekend. Uh, so I was like, okay, well, I guess I'm coming. So uh, yeah, just we were supposed to go overseas last year, and then COVID happened. So. I just moved to Ballina before the first lockdown. I thought, wow, great timing. <laughs> what do you hope people experience when they come to Lowell's? Yeah, I think what we want people to experience is um, our sense of uh, what food 
and people means to us coming together and sharing um, just just that moment with your loved ones and surrounded by food and and creativity and fun I don't know <laughs> what do you love about what you do um, I think it's something special when someone who loves you cooks for you I think it's as a it's an intimate very connecting moment when someone actually puts their heart into something and you I, I truly believe that when you are loving something and you put your heart in it's, it's actually transmitted to other other people you really can feel the love that you put on something and I think it's I mean, I'm sure it relates to all the areas, but I think with food, it really connects with me. So I, I really hope that people can feel that, that it's, uh, it's nourishing. It's been a bit of a bumpy ride the last year and a half, but you've opened the restaurant and, the, and people are coming in now. What, what are you looking forward to as uh, it heats up and, and summer approaches? Uh, I think we we are looking to a very busy season because obviously um, as humans we've been deprived of one of the things that we love the most. I think eating out, connecting with people, um, with our families and I think um, everyone is is ready for for a party in good times. Um, So yeah, I think we're expecting a busy season but it's, it's great for us. It's great. It's, uh, it's what we, we like to do. We like to cook for people, giving good food, good wine, and great times. Well, Olivia, I think we're all looking forward to that. And uh, we've loved having you on Deep in the Weeds today to hear your story. Please keep in touch. Thank you for having me. And uh, we'll catch up again soon. Okay. Thanks, Mark. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Stay tuned as we take a deep dive into the lives of the incredible people who ply their trade in the food and hospitality sector. Special thanks to executive producer Rob Locke for making this all happen. Follow us on Instagram at Deep in the Weeds Podcast or email us at podcast at deepintheweeds.com.au. Stay safe and be well.